0: Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. My guest today is a wonderful, knowledgeable, registered dietitian, and we're talking about thyroid health and the connection with PCOS. Her name is Laura Dragon, and can we take a moment to appreciate how cool that last name is? (laughs) Laura is a registered dietitian, as I said, and she specializes in nutrition for women's health and hormones. She works with a variety of conditions and concerns such as PCOS, hypothyroidism, infertility, and painful periods. Laura works with clients virtually to help guide them in making individualized diet and lifestyle changes to help support their hormones. She has made it her mission to arm women with the tools they need to dig into the root causes of their symptoms to learn how to nourish their bodies and reduce stress around food. She can be found educating others and spreading awareness about conditions such as PCOS, on her blog and Instagram page, which will both be linked to in the show notes of today's episode. So as I said, we're talking about thyroid health, and even if your thyroid is functioning properly and you're not sure that you have any concerns when it comes to your thyroid health, I want you to listen to today's episode because Laura is going to share a lot of information about balancing hormones and understanding the root cause of some of your health issues, which can apply to you even if you don't have a thyroid condition. So let's get into my conversation with Laura Dragon.
1: Hey there Laura, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, we're here to talk about thyroid health and how it relates to PCOS, which I know is something that you specialize in and you're super knowledgeable about, so I'm excited for my listeners to get your insights and information because a lot of questions do come up come up about thyroid health. Uh, So, we'll get right into that. But before that, can you tell us a little bit about
1: yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to dive into this topic. Um, But I am a registered dietitian and I specialize in women's health and hormones. Um, I've been a dietitian for four years now, and I see clients who have. PCOS, hypothyroidism, heavy periods, painful periods, or just other hormonal symptoms. Um, I have my master's in nutrition and I also have additional training in functional medicine. So I just really like to dig into the root cause of what's going on and what's contributing like to my clients symptoms so that we can get them feeling their best regulating their cycles and just making sustainable changes.
0: Okay, awesome. And you mentioned functional medicine in that approach. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about how that is different than conventional medicine or some of the different care modalities that people are more aware of right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So I just like to look at the whole picture of what's going on and um, do some specialized testing to just dig into the root causes of symptoms. So sometimes that can include um, some hormone testing or we can look at um, gut health. So these are some things that maybe traditional practitioners wouldn't maybe be able to look into, but um, I do find that by doing that extra step and digging deeper that we are able to help treat these symptoms a lot better by just addressing them from the root versus just um, addressing symptoms at the surface level.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I think it's really important to understand that you know, conventional medicine is there's a doctor for every body part, right? And mm-hmm. usually there's not much communication. So if you're seeing someone for your specific symptom, they may not help you get to the root cause of it. They're just going to help, like you said, treat the surface symptom and that may not solve the problem. The problem can manifest somewhere else in your body, or, you know, they can just kind of quiet down the symptom for a little bit with a medication or some type of more band-aid solution. But again, that issue is still there.
1: Yes, exactly. So it's not just treating the symptom, we're treating the root cause of what's going on. I
0: and mean, with hormones, that's a huge difference, right? Um, a huge, yes. yeah. Okay, so what got you interested in hormone health specifically?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I have my own personal experience with hormonal imbalance. I used to have extremely heavy periods growing up. I'm talking like 10 days long, like Um, and most of those were heavy. And like most girls my age, I was just told to go on the birth control pill. So I was on that for 15 years before I decided, hey, like, maybe something deeper was going on. Maybe I do want to do a little bit more digging into that. So even just the process of coming off the birth control pill, and I have nothing against the pill, but it wasn't right for me. um, And it wasn't treating the root cause for me. So Um, transitioning off of that really opened up the window into women's health and just learning a lot of things that I wish that I knew (laughs) growing up. Um, So that led me to get just more testing done, make some lifestyle changes, diet changes, get on the right supplement regimen. And now my periods are like four or five days long, so much more manageable. Um, I also do have Hashimoto's. So um, luckily my thyroid function is still good. Um, I did have a doctor who tested my antibodies, um, because it runs in my family, but I know not everyone has a doctor who's willing to do that. So, um, that just got me interested in thyroid health and just how I can support thyroid function and, um, support it so that I can continue having that, even though I do have Hashimoto's.
0: Okay. And there's a really close connection with between the thyroid and fertility and period health and all of these things and hormones, of course. So can you take us through like an overview of how does the thi- thyroid impact hormones? How does, you know, what does the thyroid do in the body? Give us a little bit of a one hundred and one thyroid lesson here.
1: Yeah, I would love to. So the thyroid, just to take it way back, the thyroid is a small butterfly shaped gland at the base of your neck. Um, And it doesn't seem all that interesting at first, but it's actually pretty amazing because it produces hormones that are used in nearly every cell in your body. So these hormones are signals that are sent to regulate the metabolism of each and every body system. So an easy way to think about it is it's like your thyroid is like the drummer in your body's band. So it's setting pace for everything else in your body. So it makes sure that your digestive system is moving things along as it should, um, that your menstrual cycle is regular, that your heartbeat is normal, that your calories that you're eating are being burned and used for energy, um, that your body temperature is normal so that you're not feeling chilly and just so on and so forth. So it's setting the pace for everything in your body. But when that drummer starts to slow down, then everything else slows down with it. So that can include you know, contributing to irregular cycles, um, contributing to infertility. So it just has a lot to do with, with hormones and fertility. Okay. That's such a good
0: analogy. It makes it so much clearer to think about that drummer kind of like setting the pace for everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why, you know, when people have thyroid issues, it can manifest in many different ways. Right. So there's not necessarily, I think there is a classic picture of, of, you know, what dysfunction would look like, but a lot of times you know, symptoms do vary from one person to the next. So how can someone know or start suspecting that there's something going on with their thyroid?
1: Yeah, so if someone's experiencing um, just chronic fatigue or maybe unexplained weight gain, feeling cold all the time, having irregular cycles, um, constipation, dry skin, uh, these are some of the hallmark symptoms of hypothyroidism. But like you said, it doesn't always present the same for everyone. And there's also a lot of overlapping symptoms with other conditions like PCOS. So Um, But I do recommend anytime that you are experiencing these symptoms to just get a full thyroid panel done so that you can see if there is something off with your thyroid.
0: Okay. So what does a full thyroid panel include in terms of testing? What should someone ask their doctor
1: for? Sure. So usually when you go to the doctor and they request thyroid labs, most of the time they will just order something called a TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And this is one piece of the puzzle and while it is an important piece it doesn't give us the full picture about your thyroid function so you also in addition to tsh you want to get a free t4 which is one of your thyroid hormones but it's inactive then you also want to get a free t3 which is your active thyroid hormone You want to get a reverse T3, which is a storage form of T3. Um, So sometimes that can go up when we're under a lot of stress. So we want to see that. And then the last thing that I always request is thyroid antibodies. So TPO antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. So I know it sounds like a different language kind of, but these are all of the the pieces of the puzzle that we wanna see so that we can actually look at how your thyroid is functioning.
0: Okay, great. And these are all blood tests, we should say, right? Yes. (laughs) These are all blood tests. Yep. Okay. So I've had clients in the past who've had uh, more than just their TSH done, maybe not the complete panel that you just listed, and everything comes back normal. And when I say normal, it comes back within the green zone of the reference ranges for those lab tests. And then the doctor says, everything's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but the person still is having symptoms and there are a lot of overlapping symptoms, like you said, but if there is a strong suspicion that there is something going on with the thyroid, but the labs are normal, first of all, is this something that is common in your experience? And secondly, what's the next step that someone should take in that situation? Cause it could be kind of like a dead end for some people.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So there's definitely a difference between a normal thyroid function, an optimal thyroid function. Um, so there are, um, you know, different lab ranges that maybe I would consider optimal than maybe just your regular doctor would. Um, but I think it is just a good idea to, um, advocate for yourself. If you feel like something is off, um, you know, making sure that you are getting that full thyroid um, panel done. And if there is something still off, I think it's important to know that it's important to treat the person and not just the labs. So if your labs are fine, Um, but you're not feeling fine, then we may want to do a little bit more digging. Sometimes that can include, you know, getting other nutrients tested, because again, like I said, there can be overlap of symptoms, like when we're nutrient deficient in certain things. So like a vitamin D or an iron panel or a B12, like these are all nutrients that are important for thyroid function, but also can contribute to some similar symptoms too. Okay.
0: So that's interesting. So is there, um, you know, is there some conditions that you would try to rule out first before thinking about thyroid dysfunction?
1: Yeah. So definitely. Um, I always usually will recommend an iron panel, especially if someone's feeling fatigued. Um, so iron and vitamin D is another big one that tends to, a lot of people tend to be deficient in. Yeah um, and B12 as well. So, um, those are some things that I'll try to rule out first. Um, and it is very common that we'll see both of those together. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that I would recommend.
0: Okay. And with B12, which is, we should say that women who have PCOS and are taking metformin, uh, if they're not supplementing B12, there's a pretty good chance that they need to be, or will experience those deficiency symptoms because of the, Form and um, action, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So let's move into talking specifically about PCOS and thyroid. What is the? I don't know if you know this. I don't want to put you on the spot with stats, but what is the incidence of um, hypothyroidism with PCOS? How common is it? And would you say that you know there's a connection between the two conditions?
1: Yeah. So thyroid disorders and especially Hashimoto's are a lot more common in those with PCOS compared to the general population. Um, I do know that there's estimates that someone with PCOS is three times more likely to have Hashimoto's. Um, And like I said before, there are a lot of similarities and overlapping symptoms of PCOS and hypothyroidism like the you know, hair loss, irregular periods, infertility, fatigue, weight gain, digestive yeah. issues. So um, yeah, even if some people don't think that there's that possible thyroid connection, they may just be thinking, oh, well, it, it might just be symptoms from my PCOS, especially if they're not feeling good or they're doing every, they're checking all of the boxes, but maybe they haven't checked the thyroid box yet. Um, but definitely um, with any like autoimmune condition, you tend to increase the likelihood of having another type of autoimmune condition too. So um, Hashimoto's um, can tend to run in the same circle as PCOS. Okay. And when someone gets their
0: lab tests done, say they have PCOS and now they got the, their thyroid panel done and they do see that there is a dysfunction, there's a reduced um, function of the thyroid, and there's a problem. What are some of the common treatment approaches that you've seen to be effective?
1: Sure. So first of all, is Um, medication, thyroid medication is very common. And many people with hypothyroidism will need some type of medication. And there's no shame in this. I do have a lot of people come to me saying, you know, I I don't want to take thyroid medication. I want to do it all naturally. Um, And I always say, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We can do both of these things together and actually working on diet lifestyle can actually help make thyroid medication more effective too. So medication is one treatment route, Um, but I definitely like to focus on diet lifestyle changes. Um, So with diet, there isn't one agreed upon diet for hypothyroidism. So Um, Some people do feel better if they eliminate gluten. Um, There is a little bit of research that gluten may help reduce thyroid antibodies and um, Hashimoto's. So I will usually recommend people just trialing um, an elimination of that, even just taking it out for a month and seeing how they feel, see if their symptoms improve. Um, So that's one thing that we may try. Um, but also in terms of diet, like blood sugar balance is so important for thyroid function, just like it is for PCOS. Um, And also making sure you're eating enough food. Um, And that can feel counterintuitive to a lot of people who have hypothyroidism, but your thyroid requires a lot of nutrients to function properly. So um, that's something that I often see as people who have been gaining weight because maybe their thyroid is underfunctioning and then they're cutting calories but then that can end up feeding into hypothyroidism though because your thyroid and your metabolism need enough energy and enough nutrients to to function optimally so okay mm-hmm.
0: so when you're saying um cutting calories i know that a lot of people especially if now someone hears that gluten is an issue when they cut calories usually they would be cutting carbohydrates Mm -hmm. right? So they would either for PCOS or for, you know, going gluten free, they may naturally reduce their carb intake, probably beyond what's necessary or healthy for their body. And that can actually have a negative impact on their thyroid specifically with the reduced amount
1: of carbs, right? Definitely. Yep. Your car or sorry, your thyroid does need carbs to function. So um, while maybe reducing carbs a little bit can be helpful for blood sugar balance, we don't need to go drastically in cutting out every form of carbohydrates either, and we shouldn't do that.
0: Okay. Can we talk a little bit more about how someone can transition into a gluten-free lifestyle if they feel like it's improving their symptoms? And we should say that the studies that have been done they're showing somewhat of a benefit, even with people who are not necessarily, they don't have celiac disease or they don't have a, you know, a
1: digestive reaction to gluten, right? Correct, yeah, the the small studies that there are on going gluten-free, they do not have celiac, they just have Hashimoto's with elevated antibodies um, and by going gluten-free, it did show a reduction in the antibodies, which can help preserve thyroid function. Um, Again, these are small studies, so we don't know for sure if this is the case for everyone. But like I said, um, it can be helpful just to trial it and see if someone feels better. But when they are trialing a gluten-free lifestyle, um, I think it's important to know that there are a lot of naturally gluten-free foods out there. Um, We don't immediately have to turn to the gluten-free aisle and just find all of the gluten-free alternatives that may be really expensive and may also be very highly processed too. So there's lots of naturally gluten-free foods like potatoes and sweet potatoes and quinoa and rice, and all of these are gluten free and they are, they have carbs and they're also very nutrient dense too. So start there and start with you know, just focusing on that. And if you do want to try, you know, some of the gluten free versions of stuff, then absolutely, but know that you don't have to just stick to those.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to know that, that first of all, these things are super expensive. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and are. Also, the way they're prepared is not always with the highest quality ingredients, even though they're gluten free, like you said, they're highly processed. Many times it's potato starch or tapioca flour, or things like that, that don't contain fiber, they don't contain a lot of nutrients as far as vitamins and minerals. And I think a lot of people get confused when something is organic and gluten free thinking that it's automatically better. For you, uh, but you always have to kind of check the label and really investigate further, right?
1: Definitely, yeah. I think that you know marketers do a very good job in making some gluten-free products seem like this is the, the thing that you need, um, and we're trying to mimic what we know is a not or is a naturally gluten-containing product. So by mimicking that, they do have to add in a lot of stuff. And a lot of fillers to to make it taste like pasta or make it taste like bread.
0: Exactly. Yeah. What would you say is a good amount of time for this trial period? What would you recommend usually?
1: I usually recommend starting with a month even, and then slowly adding it back in and just seeing how your symptoms are. Um, You could even, you know, if a doctor is willing to do it, you can see if they're willing to test antibodies before and after too, and just see if there's a reduction there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be one way to, to test if it actually is affecting you, but I do just see people um, notice a difference in their energy levels or digestion, stuff like that, if it does make a difference for them. Mm -hmm.
0: I know this is a little bit off topic, but what are your thoughts about food sensitivity testing with um, specifically with MRT um, testing? And if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so most food sensitivity testing is IgG antibodies. Um, So we don't really know if these IgG antibodies that are being raised and measured on a food sensitivity test um, is actually showing if your body is reactive to it, because most people do release IgG antibodies when they eat a certain food. So on food sensitivity testing, we may see a lot of foods highlight that they're sensitive to, and they may not actually be, that might not be the case. Um, A lot of
0: times we see that the foods that someone eats most frequently are the ones that have the most antibodies, like your immune system, we should say would make antibodies in response to
1: foods that you're already eating, which is normal. That is what it's supposed to be doing. Exactly. Yep. And that is normal. Yeah. So, um, I think when you speak to MRT testing, um, I don't do that in my practice. I think sometimes that can be a tool if someone is really reactive to a lot of different foods, but, um, yeah, I think that a lot of the times I see it ends up where people just find that they have to eliminate like 20, 30 different foods that may not be contributing to the problem in the first place. Okay. And we should say MRT is a type of food sensitivity test that looks at what are called
0: mediators, which are types of chemicals that your cells release in response to certain foods, right? So it's a little bit different than the antibodies. And those are usually going to signal inflammation. So I know a lot of people do get those tests done. And sometimes they see results and sometimes they don't. But um I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on it because with something like the thyroid and looking at your immune system response or certain foods that may trigger an inflammatory response in your body, that's something that's recommended sometimes.
1: Yeah. So that definitely can be one piece of the puzzle for sure. Um, and with thyroid, like When we're doing that deep digging into what is going on, we do want to figure out what's stressing the body out. So what is the root cause of the stress contributing to um, decreased thyroid function? So sometimes that can be sometimes it can be a food sensitivity. Sometimes it can be nutrient deficiencies. It could be, you know, poor gut health. Maybe you have, you know, parasites or pathogens um, or just dysbiosis um it could just be stress too you know just stress in your life that maybe you're not coping with that can trigger a response um in the thyroid um there's really a lot of different things but you know taking a look at the whole picture and seeing what is the root cause of the stress is really the the biggest piece
0: and do you offer testing to look at the gut health as well as micronutrient deficiencies
1: Yes, I do. Yeah. So I use um, GI map, um, which is a stool test in my practice. Um, I also do hormone testing through the Dutch test. So if there are hormonal imbalances, um, that can contribute to decreased thyroid function. Same thing with um, adrenals. So if we have um, high levels of cortisol, that can impact thyroid function. Um, high levels of estrogen can impact it. Um, and yeah, and micronutrients as well. So I do all of those. and I When I do an assessment with a client, I try to target where we think that stress may be coming from and then address it there.
0: With a specific test. So someone wouldn't necessarily need to do all of these tests to mm. not get to the root cause,
1: right? No, no, I don't usually do all of them. Um, in some cases, you know, if we hit a dead end, we may need to do another test, but most people don't need to do all of them. <laughs> okay. Can we talk a
0: little bit about diet uh, further? What are some foods or are there any foods or specific approaches that you use for thyroid health?
1: Yeah. So um, again, just blood sugar balance, um, making sure you're eating enough. Um, but there's also a lot of nutrients that are very important for thyroid function. So One of those is selenium. Um, Selenium is found in things like Brazil nuts, um, seafoods, organ meats. Um, So getting a source of that in your diet is important. Um, Iodine is another one that is important for thyroid function because your thyroid hormones are made of iodine, basically. Um, but iodine, we do want to be careful with though, and not do too much because there is some research that if we do too much iodine or for supplementing too much iodine, especially with Hashimoto's in some cases that can raise Hashimoto's antibodies. So, um, usually I'll just recommend like iodine, um, sources of food. So that can be seafood or seaweed, fish, dulse, um, sources like that.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about lifestyle. And specifically, I want to hear from you about endocrine disruptors, and Mm -hmm. how you recommend that clients take a look at toxins in their day and possibly make some swaps or changes that help reduce
1: the burden of toxins on their body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So endocrine disruptors are another big one that can affect thyroid function. There's a lot of research that shows that there's these chemicals in our environment that can interfere with our thyroid function. So um, one of the big things that I'll recommend reducing or trying to eliminate as much as possible is plastics. So especially BPA, um, that can be an endocrine disruptor. Um, So trying not to, especially not heating up like food and plastic. So avoiding like the plastic Tupperware or like the plastic water bottles, switching to something like a glass water bottle or a stainless steel one, um, glass food storage containers. Um, Another big one is fragrances. So fragrance is everywhere now. It's it's impossible to eliminate it completely, but even just being aware of your products that you're putting on your body remembering that your skin absorbs a lot that you're putting onto it. So um, fragrances can contain um, an endocrine disruptor called phthalates. Um, and phthalates have been shown to be an endocrine disruptor. The thing with fragrances though and products is that um, companies aren't required to label if they have phthalates in them. All they have to label is that if they have fragrance um, in the product. So trying to find fragrance-free options is another good way to just reduce some of those endocrine disruptors. Um, Another big one is nonstick pans, so like Teflon pans. Um, If we are cooking with that, especially um, if they're scratched, then that chemical can get into our food. So looking for um, PTFE is the main chemical that can interfere with your thyroid function. Um, So switching to like cast iron pans or stainless steel or ceramic pans are a good option there. Um, And then another area is filtering your water. So filtered water um, is another good thing just to help reduce endocrine disruptors. But also there are certain um, things in water like chlorine um, or fluoride And those sometimes can interfere with thyroid function too, because they're similar to um, thyroid hormones. So, okay. Yeah. So (laughs) there's a lot to think about, but I always say like, you don't have to do everything all at once. Like just focus on one area that you feel like you could improve upon, or, you know, if you run out of a product that you have that had fragrances in it, then just use that as an opportunity to replace it with something new. Um, Don't feel like you have to tackle everything all at once.
0: Yeah. And I feel like the things that you have listed are also financially are reasonable. Um, you know, switching, you know, buying a reusable bottle other than it's probably going to save you money in the long run than using, you know, regular plastic bottles and things like that, or investing in a good glassware set that you can reuse, because we all know the plastic things stain anyway, and they lose, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they kind of wear down a lot quicker. So I like all of those options. What about supplements?
1: Yeah, so supplements, um, first of all, just correcting any nutrient deficiencies first and foremost. So I know I mentioned vitamin D, B12, iron, if you are deficient in those, Um, but then also just getting like a quality multivitamin um, with selenium and magnesium is another important nutrient too. So having um, a quality multivitamin just to cover your bases there. Yeah. So, so it's really dependent on the person though. So it's hard to say, just like get these supplements. Mm -hmm. So it's very individualized on what you need, but I think in general, like a quality multivitamin with selenium, magnesium, vitamin D, those are usually a good place to start.
0: Okay. And definitely working with someone that can help you evaluate where maybe your diet is lacking a little bit, you know, like if you're not eating um, organ meats or fish or getting some of those nutrients, which can be hard, if you're not including those things on a regular basis, and I know they're not staples for most people, um, then having someone look at it and say, listen, you could could be lacking a little bit of this vitamin or this mineral, or your lab tests are showing a certain deficiency, and then being strategic with how you supplement, that's probably a better approach for everything, as opposed to just bl- blanket supplementation.
1: Yes, I totally agree. And I know that it can be very tempting to just, you know, read something online or something that you see on Instagram, like use this supplement to cure thyroid function. And it's usually not as simple as that. And sometimes that can end up, you know, breaking the bank where we're all of a sudden taking a, a ton of different supplements and not really seeing a difference. So that is where it's important to work with a qualified professional so that we can see those gaps in your diet. Um, see those nutrient deficiencies and, and be able to fill those in with supplements because supplements are supposed to be supplemental. Um, they're not a first line treatment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Good reminder. I had someone uh, last, last week, a client told me, listen, I'm taking all these things. First of all, I don't know why I'm taking them. And secondly, I don't know if they're even working. So <laughs> yeah. definitely want to be an educated patient and an educated consumer of these things and make sure that like you said you're not just spending money and time and effort you know putting all your hopes into this one supplement that's not even right for you and your situation exactly so how would you say someone would know if something's working what would be a good time frame so i know you said try it for a month you can get retested are there any other signs or symptoms that you would look for just improving of the symptoms in general would you say is that a good indicator
1: Yeah. So just looking for symptom relief. Um, It's not going to happen overnight. So paying attention to gradual changes. So noticing more energy, maybe noticing some more hair growth, um, making it's easier to lose weight, or maybe you're having just more regular digestion. Maybe you're not feeling as cold. Um, And then it can be worth to retest a full thyroid panel in like about six months. Um, But once your thyroid levels are within range, then just checking them once a year is good. Um, If your doctor is changing your medication dosages around, then they'll likely recommend more frequent checking. Um, But yeah, in general, just just symptom relief, that's a, a good place to start. Okay.
0: I know you and I are on the same page when it comes to using medications as needed to get relief to hopefully speed up someone's recovery as well, right? Because medications will usually work faster than lifestyle changes. And there's nothing wrong with using a medication if needed. But I want to ask you if you've ever seen or worked with someone who was able to balance their thyroid without medication with using nutrition and lifestyle interventions only.
1: Yes, absolutely. I have seen it, especially if you catch it early on, I will say. So um, especially like I said, if you um, can catch like Hashimoto's before, um, you know, it's full blown hypothyroidism, you're a lot more likely to be able to to just address it with um, diet and lifestyle and calming down the immune system. Um, especially if it's like um, subclinical hypothyroidism. So I've definitely seen that. Um, I actually don't take thyroid medication, um, but I was one of those who was able to catch it early though, um, Mm -hmm. before I had a a large decrease in my thyroid function. Mm
0: -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about people who are plant-based or following a vegetarian diet? Does that pose a little bit of a challenge for balancing thyroid?
1: Um, It definitely can pose, it can make it a little bit harder because there are a lot of um, nutrients that the thyroid needs that are more bioavailable or just easier for the body to absorb and to use. That are coming from animal proteins so i know i mentioned like the organ meats not everyone has to eat organ meats but stuff like that um there's just a lot of nutrients that are easier for your body to use and easier for your thyroid to use too it also does make it a little bit harder to balance blood sugar when um, we are vegan um, or just plant-based because we're not most of our protein sources are also carbohydrate sources too. So um, it is possible, but it does, it, it does make it a little bit trickier. And that is where it can be helpful to work with someone who who's knowledgeable and, um, you know, protein sources and nutrients and making sure you're covering all of your bases.
0: Okay. So let's say someone's listening right now and they want to get their thyroid fully evaluated. What would you say is the first step?
1: Yeah. So The biggest thing is just advocating for yourself. Um, I think it's good to keep a list of the symptoms that you've been having, so that when you go into your doctor, you're armed and you're prepared with um, what you want to tell them, because um, sometimes doctors won't order labs if you don't say exactly what you're experiencing. Um, And then ask for a full thyroid panel. So what I mentioned before, the TSH, the free T3, free T4, um, reverse T3 and the thyroid antibodies. Um, and yeah, just making sure that you advocate for yourself and your health. Um, that's, that's definitely the, the best place to start.
0: Okay, great. And I know that you have a lot of resources on your website and on Instagram. So do you wanna share some of these things and where people can find out more about you and your information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website, laurarosenutrition.com. Um, I have a lot of blog posts on thyroid health, also on PCOS, um, but I also have workbooks, so downloadable ebooks, both on thyroid and on PCOS, um, and you can purchase them on my website. Um, I also do have a lot of free content on my Instagram, um, and you can find me at hormone underscore nutrition.
0: Okay. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'll be sure to link to everything in the show notes so people can find it easily.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much for having me.